I love this text tonight. Mark's Gospel, chapter number five. And we're going to break in tonight in the 22nd verse. Mark's Gospel, chapter five. Thank you, Pastor, for inviting us to come, allowing us to come. The beautiful hotel room and all the wonderful meals. Let me tell you something. Your pastor may be on the slim side, but he knows where to eat and he knows what to eat. And how many of you tonight in this room struggle? You really struggle in your spirit with people that can eat and eat and eat and never get any bigger. Be honest with you. You got a bad attitude about it. Just raise your hand. And I can smell food. Yes. And, uh, and you know, I've been on this diet. And, man, I'm going to have to go on another one because I can't get enough to eat on this one. And this is the first week since I've been on my diet there hasn't been a Krispy Kreme next to my hotel. And that's not good for somebody on a diet. And, and, and then you go by and they got that red light on. Like hot now. That means come on in. It was foreordained before the foundation of the world. <laughs> so Julie and I, we just made a pact. If we go by there, we're not even going to stop. Unless the light is on. <laughs> and it seemed like every time we went by there, the light was on. So we made another agreement. We won't even go in if the light is on unless there's a place to park. Right at the front door. We rode by the other night. And after we circled the block 12 times, we found a place to park. <laughs> right there at the front row. But the Lord is good. Mark chapter number 5 in the text tonight. Begin reading in verse 22. And behold, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet, and besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter lieth at the point of death. I pray thee, come and lay thy hands on her, that she may be healed. And say this little line out loud with me, And she shall live. I love verse 24, And Jesus went with him, and much people followed him and thronged him. We'll leave off the narrative in verse 24 and let's pick it back up again in verse number 35. But before I read the verse, what happens between these two readings, while he's on his way to touch that little girl, that's when that woman with that issue of blood presses through that crowd and touches Jesus. Jesus touches her. And aren't you glad tonight you can't get lost in a crowd? It doesn't matter how many people are trying to get to the Lord, you can't get lost in a crowd. He touched that little girl in the house and he touched that woman in a big old crowd. And whether you're in an auditorium of thousands or a closet, but just you and God, I'm glad he's a personal Savior. I am feeling good about this text. I'm glad there's no boundaries and borders or limits to his love and his power. 
And so while he's going to touch this little girl, the woman with the issue of blood touches Jesus, he touches her. And we pick it up again now in verse number 35. And while he yet spake, there came from the ruler of the synagogue's house a certain Baptist which said, <laughs> Thy daughter is dead. Why troublest thou the master any further? Can I just say this tonight? If you're calling on the Lord, you're not troubling him. He's invited you to the throne of grace. Look in verse 36. As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he saith unto the ruler of the synagogue, said with me out loud, be not afraid, only believe. Say that text with me again. Be not afraid, only believe. Verse 42, watch your Bible. And straightway the damsel arose and walked, for she was of the age of 12 years, and they were astonished with a great astonishment. That little phrase in the text, great astonishment in the Greek means they looked at each other and said, wow. And aren't you glad the God we serve will wow you and I? I'm glad that he is able to touch again tonight. Several years ago, there was a famous preacher. He's preached in this, uh, on this platform or in this building multiple times. He was from Atlanta, Georgia. He was called the young man with the old message, Brother Mays. I don't know why they still called him that at 110, but they did. And he was a mighty man of God. He was preaching one night in Greensboro, North Carolina. And a little lady come up to him and she said, Preacher, I want you to touch heaven for my son. My son has been and out of prison. He's been on and off of drugs. We've spent every dime we've got. And I want you to pray for my son. I want you to touch heaven for my boy. Brother May said, I went back to my hotel room that night. And he said, I didn't kneel down by the bed. I didn't kneel down by my chair. I buried my face in the carpet. And I said, Lord, I've never heard anybody use that phrase before. But that little woman said, Preacher Mays, I want you to touch heaven for my son. And he said, Lord, the best I know how, by faith, I want to touch you on behalf of that son. Save that boy. Redeem that boy. Bless that boy. Lord, by faith in the name of Jesus, touch that dear lady's son. He said several months went back and he was preaching for Zeno Gross at Winston-Salem, said he got through preaching one night and there stood that lady. Standing beside of her was a fine-looking, clean-cut young man with a great big Bible up under his arm. Brother Mays said, I stepped down to speak to the lady and she said, hey, Brother Mays, I want you to meet my son. You must have touched heaven and touched it really good. Because my son has been saved. He has been called to preach. And that young man went on to pastor a church in that area for the next 40 years. 
Brother Mays Jackson went back to his room that night thanking God and praising God for what the Lord has done. And God birthed a message in Brother Mays' soul. And he preached it all over the country for the next 40 years. On the thought that that little lady gave him, Brother Mays, will you touch heaven for my son? And he preached all over the planet. Somebody touched heaven for me. And I am glad tonight that God can be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. My brother Mays being a good friend of mine, I can't use that title or they'll start calling me the young man with the old message. So here is my title. I'm glad somebody touched heaven for me. No, my title is this, somebody go get God. Because I am glad tonight that we serve a God that we can get a hold of. I'm glad we serve a God that we can get a hold of. And I'm glad we can not only get a hold of God, but God can get a hold of somebody else because we went and got a hold of him. I want to thank God tonight for the doctrine of intercessory prayer in the Bible. You say, Brother Joe, what is intercessory prayer? It is prayers that are prayed on behalf of others. I'm glad the Bible talks about the intercession of the Savior. Your pastor already quoted that verse. There is one mediator between God and man, and that is the man, Christ Jesus. Aren't you glad there is one tonight at the right hand of the majesty on high that makes intercession for you and I? I'm glad for the intercession of the Savior. I'm glad tonight Romans chapter 8 talks about the intercession of the Spirit. I'm glad the Bible said that the Holy Spirit maketh intercession for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. I'm glad the Holy Spirit tonight is crying out, Abba, Father, in your redeemed and regenerated spirit. And I'm glad the Spirit can touch heaven for you and I. And I'm thankful for the, uh, the intercession of the Savior and the intercession of the Spirit. But my Bible also teaches tonight the intercession of the saints. When Paul wrote the young preacher by the name of Timothy, he said, I would that prayers and supplication and intercession be made for all of the saints. And I'm glad tonight that somebody can pray for you and you can pray for somebody else. And let me say it like this tonight. If there's somebody in your world that loves you enough to pray for you, then you are a blessed individual. Can I say that again? If there's somebody in your world that loves you enough to pray for you, you are a blessed individual. In fact, most of us are in this room tonight Cause somebody got a hold of God. Somebody touched heaven and somebody got a hold of God and God got a hold of you cause somebody got a hold of God. Don't ever quit praying for your lost loved ones. 
Don't ever quit praying for your family and your friends. I'm glad we have a great high priest that is touched with the feelings of our infirmities. I'm glad tonight that Abraham got a hold of God for his nephew Lot. I'm glad tonight that Moses got a hold of God for the nation of Israel. I'm glad old Jacob got a hold of God for his little boys. But man, I'm glad one day Jesus got a hold of God for all of us. Because one more time there is one mediator between God and man and that is the man, Christ Jesus. This is a Baptist church and we haven't voted on anything in three nights and I'm getting nervous. So let's vote on this. I wonder how many you're in this building tonight and you're saved and you're right with God and you have the life you have and the family you have because somebody got you on their heart. They got a burden for you and they got a hold of God and God's got a hold of you. I wonder how many answered prayers we have in this room tonight. I'm glad somebody prayed for me, touched heaven for me, and got a hold of God, and God has gotten a hold of me. You know what America needs tonight? They need for somebody to get a hold of God. You know what our churches need tonight? For somebody to get a hold of God. You know what the family needs tonight? For somebody to get a hold of God. You know what the next generation needs tonight? For somebody to bombard heaven and by faith touch God. And I'm glad he is a God that can be gotten a hold of. And if somebody will get a hold of God, he'll reach down and get a hold of somebody else. And I believe in our text tonight is one of the most vivid pictures of intercessory prayer that you'll find in all of the Bible. Let's look at the text, number one. I want you to see from the scripture tonight the mandate that drove this man to Jesus. You say, now, Brother Joe, why would you use such a strong word, mandate? Well, let me say it like this. What would cause this grown man to go all the way across town and bow down at the feet of Jesus and beg him to come and touch his little girl. What would cause this daddy to lay aside his religious garb and go all the way across town and beg God to touch his little girl? Well, I've already told you, he is a daddy with a daughter. He is a daddy with a daughter. Now, if you don't understand that phrase, then you are not a daddy with a daughter. Because a daddy with a daughter is the most manipulated human being on the face of the earth. A daddy with a daughter will go places he said he would never go. He will buy things he said he would never buy. He will do things he said that he would never do. All because that daughter looked up at him with that manipulating look she got from her mother and said, Daddy, please. And oh, when that little daughter, you ought to know, Scott, when that, you, yeah, when that little daughter says, Daddy, Lord, he's a daddy with a daughter. You say, how do you know, Brother Joe? I'm a daddy 
with a daughter, a blonde-headed daughter, a blue-eyed blonde-headed daughter who is an attorney, who is a lawyer. She was born manipulating. <laughs> I made my brags all over this country how I hated cats. And the only good cat was a dead cat. And there would never, ever be any cats in my house. Oh, but one day, the daughter said, Daddy, I love to hear you preach. I said, leave preach out of it. What do you want? She said, can we get a cat? Oh, that wall broke down and guess who got a cat? But I put my foot down, Brother Jared. I said, listen, that thing's a stinking animal and it's gonna stay outside. It's not coming in my house. And oh, one night the lightning flashed and the thunder rolled and the wind blew and the rain descended. And she said, oh, daddy, flea flea is outside. Please, can she come in? And guess who came into my home? Guess who jumped up in the bed with me at four o'clock in the morning and licked me on the side of the face? That stupid cat. Oh, but I said this too. I said, now listen, this is the final rule. I'm gonna tell you, Joanna, if that cat gets sick, it's gonna die. I'm not gonna take my hard-earned money and spend it on a vet. If that thing gets sick, it is dead. And we're not going to the pet crematory. We're not going to shop at Crispy Critters. You'll get that after a while. We're going to bury that thing. Oh, one Monday morning before I went to the airport, I had to make some quick visits and so I got out my car and man, I didn't know, I didn't know during the night that Flea Flea had climbed up in the motor of my car. So when I started it up, boop, fur goes everywhere. So I go and I throw the hood up and there she lays. Oh, Lord. You say, what did you do? I called 411 Man, I'll tell you what I did. I wrapped that little thing up. I started to cry. I, don't you laugh at me. My cat's hurt, sister. And I wrapped that thing up. And I put that thing in a little box. And I matched him uh, emergency signals. And son, I took off. And son, I run over old people, blind people, crippled people. I passed three popos in the fast lane. Pulled up in the vet on two wheels. Jumped outside. Laid flea flea up there. Laid out every credit card I could find. And I said, if that stupid thing's got nine lives, I ought to buy four of them before I get out of here. And I did all of that because that little girl that has me dangling from her pinky by my pocketbook. <laughs> yeah. You're like Bill Clinton. You feel my pain. Amen. Hey. That, that little girl, that little girl, that daddy and that daughter well, in our text tonight, Pastor, here's a daddy with a daughter. They're not having a sweet 16 party. They're not having a birthday party. They're not having an honor roll party. They're having a death watch. Because the Bible said here in our text tonight that this little girl lieth at the point of death. That means she is very close to eternity. Being at the point of death literally means this. Her next heartbeat may be her last. Her next breath 
may be her last. The very next second that ticks off of the clock may be her last. And there stands her father, seemingly helpless and desperate. By the way, you know who her father is in the text. He has called Jairus the ruler of the synagogue. That little phrase tells me a couple of things. Number one, he is a man of power and authority. He's not just a synagogue goer, he is a ruler. He is a grown man that tells other grown men what to do and they have to obey his command. But his power, his position, his authority is not enough. He can command a group of temple soldiers, but he can't command the disease to leave the body of that little girl. You know what this dad realizes in our text? He is up against something that's bigger than him, more powerful than him. And his authority, his position is not enough. But I'm glad when it's too big for this daddy and it's too big for your daddy, I'm glad there is a heavenly father that's greater than all of my problems and greater than all my fears and us daddies may be limited. But I'm glad my heavenly father is unlimited in his power. He is the ruler of the synagogue. He is a moral man. He is a religious man. He is a good man. Why? He is not a drunkard. He is not a thug. He's not a rapist. He's not a profaner. He's not a cusser. He's not a cheater. He's not a gambler. He's not an adulterer. He is a good, religious, moral, upstanding man. But you know what Jarius realizes in the text? That his morals, his religion, his goodness, his trying to live for God did not exempt him from the storms and the troubles and the trials of life. And may I say to every person in this room tonight that living for God and being saved is a wonderful life. But it will not isolate. It will not insulate you from the storms and the troubles. But I'm glad even the people of God may have to go through storms and trials but aren't you glad there's a heavenly father that stands in the shadows that looks beyond our fault and sees our need I've come to tell you when your power's not enough and your authority's not enough and your title's not enough and your position is not enough and your religion's not enough and your morals is not enough God is always more than enough according to this text he has a house. According to this text, that house sits on a piece of land. Inside of that house is a daughter. No doubt inside of that house is a wife. So that tells me something. He is a man of money. He is a man of means. How many will agree it takes money to buy land? It takes money to build a house. And young fellas, if you put a wife and a daughter a wife and a daughter, a wife and a daughter in that house, on that land, somebody better have a job. <laughs> Let me tell every one of you young Casanovas this tonight. The greatest way to get your girlfriend's mother and father to like you, get a job. Amen. And all of God's daddies said, Amen. But watch this unfold. He's got enough money to have a family. He has enough authority to have a job. He has enough religious to be a divine appointment. 
Oh, but he finds out there's some things money cannot buy. There's some things our titles and positions will not get. Sometimes our religion and our morals is not enough. The need this father has, his money's not enough, his power's not enough, his goodness is not enough, his religion's not enough, his authority, his appointment, his position is not enough. Here's a man that is desperate. Here's a man that is desperate. It is beyond his power. It is beyond his ability. It's over his head. It's beyond his pocketbook. And it's out of his hand. But I'm glad that's what drove him to God. That's what drove him to desperation that's what moved him to go get somebody who was able to do what daddy could not do I see that father as he leans over the bed of that little girl and I believe he says something like this hold on sweetie daddy's power is not enough daddy's position is not enough daddy's religion is not enough daddy's money is not enough but I've heard about another father and I've heard about another daddy who has all power in heaven and in earth and he realizes he can't but God can I want to say to every father and every mother in this place tonight I'm limited you're limited I have boundaries I have borders you have boundaries you have borders but I'm glad our heavenly father is higher than the highest better than the best greater than the greatest and he can do what we cannot ever do somebody go Dip the Lord. The mandate that drove him to Jesus. Shackling the text. I want you to see tonight, and I love this. I want you to see the motive that directed him to Jesus. Boy, I see Jairus as he looks at that little girl. And he says, I can't help you. But I know somebody who can. And he turns his back. And he walks in the opposite direction and he goes all the way across town to where Jesus is. Honey, I believe he's a man on a mission. I believe he walks out that little door. I believe he goes down that little dusty trail and somebody says, Jarius, where are you going? I can hear him say, I'm going for healing. I'm going for help. I'm going for mercy. I'm going for grace. I'm going for sovereignty. I'm going for omnipotence. I'm going for God. I'm going for power. My money's not enough. My ability is not enough. I'm going for somebody that's bigger and better than me. I can hear somebody say, Jarius, are you going to the doctor? I can hear him say, I'm going for the great physician. Jarius, are you going for the lawyer? I'm a going for the lawgiver. Jarius, are you going for the priest? I'm a going for the high priest. Jairus, are you going for the king? I'm going for the king of kings and lord of lords. Jairus, how long is it going to take you? I can hear him say for her, not too long. But Jairus, how far have you got to go? And I can hear him say for her, not too far. But Jairus, what all you got to go through? I believe he says for her, it's not too much. And can I say tonight, it's not too far. It's not too long. It's not too much to see God get a hold of our young'uns and God get a hold of our children and God get a hold of the next generation. It's not too big. It's not too far. It's not too much. It's worth it to get a hold of God and see what God is able to do. Here's what I love about Jarius. 
He knew where to go. And he knew who to talk to. And he knew how to talk to him when he got there. Watch what it says in the text. And when he came to where Jesus was, he didn't get up in his face. He fell at his feet. He didn't get up in his face, but he fell at his feet. You say, Brother Joe, what's the difference between getting in God's face and falling at his feet whether he goes home with you or not? He didn't go up there and start accusing God. He didn't go up there and start blaming God and ordering God around. He fell at his feet. Watch what it says in the text tonight. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet and besought him greatly. And that little phrase in the text, besought him greatly, is the exact same phrase used in Romans 12. When Paul, a mouthpiece of the Holy Spirit, says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies. That besought him greatly means to employ. It means to plead. It means to beg. It literally means to pull on one's heartstrings. Oh, here's Jarius at the feet of Jesus, trying to pull on the heartstrings of the Son of God. And evidently, he did it because the Bible said, and Jesus went with him. I love what he says when he begs him. He said, Jesus, it's not for me, but my little girl, she's at the point of death. And I'm pleading, I'm imploring, I'm... I'm pulling on your heartstrings. If you will come, Jesus, if you will come, you'll find at the end of this miracle that was a house full of people. Everybody had come, but nobody had made the difference. But he says, Lord, if you will come, if you will come. And son, when I saw this, I like to knock the back end of my choir robe out. He said, if you will come and lay thy hands on her. There was something about the hands of Jesus that had birthed faith in the heart of this man. Lord, your hands. Get a hold of this tonight. For 12 years, she had been in daddy's hands. For 12 years, he had guided her with his hands. For 12 years, he had consulted her with his hands. But tonight, he realizes daddy's hands are not big enough. Daddy's hands are not powerful enough. So you know what he literally does in this text? There is a transition. He takes her out of his hands and he puts her in the Savior's hand. He takes her out of his hand and he puts her in the Savior's hand. And may I say this tonight, the greatest day in your life and the greatest day in the life of somebody you're praying for is when you take them out of your hands and you put them in the Savior's hands. Isn't it good to know tonight it's not in your hands, it's not in my hands, but it's in the Savior's hands. Hands, hands. I wonder what it was about the hand of the Lord that had birthed so much faith in Jairus' heart. Well, he's a ruler of the synagogue. That means he has heard the Old Testament, read in his hearing 
a myriad of times. And you start in Genesis and wind up in Malachi. Honey, no wonder he had confidence in them hands. For the Bible said with those hands they made a path through the Red Sea. With those hands he had shielded Moses in the cliff of the rock. With his hands he had smashed the walls of Jericho. With his hands he had led them and guided them through the wilderness. And Jairus has been on this earth and he's watched a three and a half year ministry of Jesus. He has watched what he's done with those hands. He touched the blind with those hands. He touched the deaf with those hands. He cleansed the leper, fed the hungry, watered the thirsty, befriended the lonely, set the captive free. He saw the saving hand. He saw the guiding hand. He saw the loving hand. He saw the powerful hand. He saw the sufficient hand. He saw the holy hand. He saw the comforting hand. He saw the loving hand. I wonder if there's anybody in this room tonight you believe that God's hands are big enough and God's hands are strong enough. Let's get it out of our hands and let's put it in the Savior's hand. Boy, he's at his feet. And he said, I'm begging you, come and lay your hands on her. Boy, I love the text where it said, and Jesus went with him. And I've come to tell somebody, he'll go home with you too. If you want him, bad enough. Which one of you young fellas want to help me just a second? And if you will, the preacher will give you $50. Come here, Scott. They all greedy. Come on, honey. You look like you're about to cry. Come on up here. You need the money, don't you? Uh, sir. You need the money, right? Uh, yes, sir. What's your name? Ben, Benny. Say, I need the money. I need the money. We got you, boy. <laughs> I'm going to be Jesus. You be Jairus. No, I'll be Jairus. You be Jesus. Sorry, Jesus, but that's the best I can do for right now. <laughs> so Jairus begs him, pleads with him. Says, if you'll just give me your hands. And the Bible said, and he went with him. And he went with him. Can you keep up? And he went with him. Now, if Jairus would have been a Baptist, he'd have said, Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. I have the Lord with me. Glory. If he'd have been a Presbyterian, he'd have said, I got him. <laughs> but he was an old-fashioned believer at a UT football game going, glory to God, hallelujah. Woo! I got him with me. Son, I believe Jairus and Jesus is charging through that crowd. I believe old Jairus has got Jesus. And I believe he's a saying, hold on, honey, we're coming. Hold on, baby, we're coming. Me and Jesus is a coming. Boy, aren't you glad one day somebody got a hold of God. And they was glad when they got a hold of him. I got to hurry, got to hurry. Now, why, why Jairus and Jesus are on their way to that house. Now, here's where it might get quiet. Here comes this woman. And how many will agree it ain't nothing like a woman to interrupt the best plans? 
Turn your hearing aid up, brother. I'm talking. <laughs> Write a book about that one. And here comes that woman pressing through that crowd. And Jesus and Jairus just stop. And that woman touches Jesus. And Jesus touches her. And the Bible said immediately she was made whole. But Jesus felt the King James uses this word virtue. It means power, authority. And Jesus felt power and authority go out of him. And he turned around and said, who touched me? Who touched me? And that little woman said, it was me. Now, Jairus and Jesus now are just standing by, listening to that woman talk. And finally, Jesus says to the little lady, you know, what, what do you need? And when she made this statement, she said, Jesus, I've had an infirmity for 12 years. I've had an infirmity. You're going to get that in a minute. For 12 years. And when Jairus heard Jesus and heard that woman say 12, I believe his ears perked up and said, wow, 12. She's been sick for 12 and my little girl's been alive for 12. And I believe he can heal a woman that's been sick for 12. He can heal a little girl that's been alive for 12. Because evidently to the Lord, 12 ain't no big deal. And then when Jesus says to this woman, he only says it three times in the Synoptic Gospels. Jesus looked at that lady and said, daughter, daughter. He called her daughter. And when Jairus heard Jesus call that woman daughter, he perked up again. And said, oh my, he's got one too. I ain't the only one here with a daughter. He's got one too. And if he loves his daughter, surely he loves mine. If he can save his daughter, surely he can save mine. If he will help his daughter, surely he can help mine. He must be in the daughter business. I've come to tell you, he's in the daddy business and the mama business and the son business and the daughter business and the pawpaw business and the meemaw business. He's in the 12,000 cousin business. All you gotta have is somebody to go get him. He walks in that house and Jesus touches her and she walks. And I believe that little girl for the rest of her life knew the greatest thing her daddy had ever done for her, not when he bought the land and bought the house, but when daddy brought Jesus home with him. And there's some boys and girls tonight need their mama and daddy to bring Jesus home with them tonight. And let me ask you this in closing. Is there anybody in your world that you love enough to go get God for. There's a mandate that drove him. There's a motive that directed him. And there's a miracle that delighted him. They got more than they asked for. Because somebody touched heaven.